Assalamu alaikum and welcome to another episode of the Dr. Will Show, where I interview educators and entrepreneurs on leveling up. Each episode, I zoom in someone who's dope, who would just sit back and have a conversation on what it means to live your best life. Now, if this is your first time checking out the podcast, this is the Mobile University for Entrepreneurs, and I'm your host, Dr. Will. Now, today's guest is Steve Giddings. Uh, we're going to talk about his journey into entrepreneurship, uh, his company, and get some of his insights on what does it mean for an educator to monetize their talents. So for those who will be listening on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, iTunes while it still lasts, and Simplecast, will you please introduce yourself, Steve? Hi there. I'm uh, Steve Giddings. I run CMusicroom.com, um, which is a site for music teachers and uh, educating music teachers. And there's a blog on there with lots of uh, information. I have a book published called Rock Coach, and um, I'm working on another one right now. So what did you think you would be doing when you were growing up? And what drew you to the field of education? Well, I actually thought I'd be a children's book um, illustrator when I was a young child, and I really loved to draw. And then I got into music in my uh, junior high school and then into high school. And then I thought, like, I really wanted to do something with music. So I thought in grade 10 or 11 that I really wanted to be a music teacher. And both my parents were teachers, so I was like, I like helping people. I like music, so why not go be a music teacher? So uh, tell us the story about how Steve's Music Room came to be. Uh, how did you get started in entrepreneurship? It's about uh, 10 years ago. I just started a website because I really wanted to share my ideas with everybody. And it ended up being this website just full of free resources, free lesson plans. And I really wanted it to be a free thing for teachers because, um, as we know, as you're starting out, it, like I was kind of just thrown in there and didn't really know what to do. And so I thought, I had a couple years under my belt at this point, so I thought, why not share my best ideas to help beginning teachers and uh, people like myself at the time who just really didn't know where to start, where to go. Um, and so it was like that for a number of years, and I just would post things on there. I had a forum and a blog. The forum didn't really get much traction. Um, started doing a little bit of blogging here and there. Um, later on, I got rid of the forum because everyone was just on Facebook doing stuff like that anyway. So it just kind of seemed pointless to have a forum on there. Um, so I got rid of the forum, started really hunkering down on the blog portion. And uh, I started, I'm in uh, a few years ago, the association I'm affiliated with on PEI here in, in Canada, they asked me to do a presentation on rock bands. And so I thought, that's a great idea. That's what I do. They, they seem to know that I knew how to do that. And so I went and did that and that was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed presenting to other teachers. Um, so I, had, I did, did that a couple more times after that. And then I decided after people have been asking me 
to do these things and asking me how I teach rock bands and how I teach popular music in schools, I thought, I, I'm just going to write a book because I have all of these blog posts that could work. And I started writing articles for the Canadian Music Educators Journal. So I combined all of that stuff, plus added some more things and decided I have enough for a book here. I'm going to do it. So I just did it. And then I just started selling books and I'm doing more presentations now. And it just kind of came out of nowhere almost. It was not really planned. It just kind of happened. So what's your vision for Steve's Music Room? And what is your value add for your target market? <clears throat> well, I, I really want it to be somewhere that teachers go, music teachers go to um, you know, want to learn more about how to teach a rock ensemble, how to teach a popular ensemble in a authentic way. And I think my value add is like a, I'm, it's like I'm in a niche within a niche because I cater to music teachers, but within that music teacher niche, I'm in the popular music niche, which is completely different from the rest of what most uh, most of us think about music education in school, which is, you know, wind band, orchestra, uh, choir, that kind of stuff. So um, I filled that void that was that's starting to actually be very popular in, in some circles. Over the last 10 years, people have been trying to add popular ensembles, but just don't know how to do it. So that's where I come in and, and help them with that. So let's jump into your reasons for becoming an entrepreneur. There are folks in our field who, you know, they're educators and um, they don't look well upon those of us who have become consultants, who sell digital products, who lead uh, webinars for pay, or who, you know, get on teachers pay teachers and sell uh, lesson plans and units and, and, and PBL uh, projects, they really think that it is sort of a betrayal to the profession. So when you decided to take the leap, right? So what made you say to yourself that I am going to monetize what I bring to the table? And what do you think or what do you have to say to our colleagues who believe that we shouldn't be selling our expertise? Well, I, uh, I feel like I put a lot of work into what I was doing and I started feeling like this is a lot of work. What am I getting out of it? Like, I know I love helping other teachers and, and that's something that I get a lot of joy out of, but I'm putting a lot of, a lot of work into doing it and I should get, you know, compensated for that. And every teacher puts in extra time. Every teacher puts in extra time and they don't get paid for it, but they should. And I feel like if I'm helping other teachers, there's no reason why I shouldn't be compensated for the extra time that I put into the profession. And really, if you're good at something, you may as well get paid to do it. And, especially if you do it well, you might as well get paid to do it. So, wow. I want to 
kind of stay with this just for a little bit. Yeah. Because that I understand. And, you know, educators are people. And as people, you know, they'll buy an iPhone. They'll buy an iPad. They will have a subscription to Netflix and see nothing wrong with spending money on those things. But for some reason, when one of us decides, you know, I have this book out and now I want to do a book study and roll that into a course, then that's frowned upon, right? They don't see that as a marketable skill that one has, but they see that as, I guess, an extension of the mission, an extension of the classroom where it should be freely given. Did you immediately, were you okay, I guess, with looking at the value you brought and was at ease about charging? Or did you have to go through some sort of process to getting where you are now? Well, I had a lot of cognitive dissonance in my brain about all of this. Um, and I get what you're saying too, because I at first had a lot of trouble trying to monetize it because I just didn't feel like, um, because it, like I said, I started the whole site as a free resource for teachers. And it was like that for a long time because I was like, it needs to be free. It needs to be free. And I kept telling myself it needs to be free. But then I, I did have a, a hard time kind of coming around to being able to charge for certain things on the site. And I wanted to make sure it was something that is of value. So the book is quite, it's like a little under 200 pages. And I feel like that's something I put, uh, a, you know, a, a, a year's worth of time into, into developing that book. And, you know, it, it, it is more valuable than all the other free resources because the free resources I was kind of doing anyway for my classroom and just kind of, you know, developing those things. And the book was just like a, a, a bonus, I suppose. And I did feel like I should be charging for the book, but anything else on the site, I do feel still a little uncomfortable with, with charging for certain things. Um, and I did have to kind of go through some cognitive dis dissonance to, to come to the point where I am now where I am okay with charging for presentations, for, uh, for example. Um, I started to offer online coaching. Haven't had a lot of, you know, uh, you know, bites yet, but I think that might be why uh, I'm not because some people just don't like paying for something like that when they could just sit down with somebody and, and chat about it instead without having to pay. So I guess it's been an interesting journey. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. Cause it's, it is hard to, uh, to charge. And I do find it's really difficult to market and promote to my local community more of teachers more so than say online on Twitter or on, uh, uh on Facebook. Um, cause I do feel like, I do feel like they might be judging me in my local community more so than they would be out elsewhere in, in, in the universe. So yeah, I get what you're saying for sure.
So when an educator is thinking about becoming an entrepreneur, what three questions or what questions in general should they be asking themselves? And how should they go about discovering who their ideal client or target market is? Well, they need to ask themselves, is, is there a void to be filled? Will people pay for that void to be filled? And really, are they willing to put the time in because it is a business and you're not getting a steady paycheck and you may not get a paycheck for a long time. Uh, so are they willing to put the time in to do that? Um, and I think, sorry, what was the second half of the question there? How do you discover your target market or your right. ideal client? Right. Okay. So the way I, I, uh, developed my target audience was really through social media because on where I am, it's a very small community of people. Um, there's only maybe 60, 70 teachers who would potentially buy my products on the, in the province I am on, on in Canada. And so I had to branch out. So I went on Twitter and I started, you know, trying to get as many follows, many likes as I could of some of my, my stuff. And of Facebook, I'm on Facebook with the Facebook groups. There's a music teacher's Facebook group and all those different things like that. And that's where I find the, the target audience. But uh, the hard part is to remember that you do have to interact on those uh, platforms, Facebook especially, before you start promoting all of your things. You just gotta go in there, interact, be part of the conversation and you will find your target audience through that method pretty easily after after time but it does happen i am sort of working on, on that <laughs> there i've done work with school districts and those are fat checks and always love that when that happens but they have not have happened as often enough to change my life. Mm -hmm. But I also don't want them to happen like that because I don't want to travel. I know people who, you know, they're traveling, you know, 30 weeks or more a year. Yeah. And I don't want to do that much traveling. And I only have so many personal days uh, with my district. So, uh, and I would rather not work on a personal day. I'd rather be at home mm -hmm. chilling, yes. enjoying myself. So, you know, we're going, we're starting to transition our business into a digital education company, you know, selling courses and webinars and, you know, doing, you know, keynotes over a video conference uh, that way. You know, you don't have to travel mm -hmm. uh, to do that. And then I have my documentary out as well. Uh, so, you know, I did have one target market. And now with the pivot, I have to find a another one. Right. And so that's sort of, you know, where we are right, right now. And my article, so I'm writing articles and that's bringing in money. 
uh, whenever I write one. So since July, the money has been consistent every month. But prior to that, you know, I could submit an article, you know, two articles this month and then, you know, go three months and I go, oh yeah, I should submit an article and get a check. <laughs> uh, so yeah. uh, I need, I've, things have been more consistent since July and uh, planning on submitting a couple of more articles this month. Yeah. Uh, so we're, you know, I'm just, I'm just trying to, I'm trying to get there. Uh, I know that what I'm trying to do is, I'm not going to say different, but, you know, with my documentary and with this podcast, I'm definitely moving in a direction that is not normally celebrated by our colleagues. Mm-hmm. So, and I, and I say, I brought that up to ask you, when that voice in your head tells you that the work is too hard or you're thinking, wow, am I an, an imposter because the money isn't coming in on a consistent basis? What do you say to that voice? What do you do? Well, um, See, that's a hard question because I, I do, most of my money comes from, like, obviously I have a full-time job teaching, so I can't, you know, just uh, at this point get, you know, just, just stop teaching and go into this full-time because it's just not, it's not feasible at the moment. So, um, and like m- most of my money comes from presentations and workshops. Those are only... Like I, you get a few at the beginning of the school year and then there's some at the end of the school year and that's about it. And there might be one or two in the summer. So they don't get, there's a lot all at once, but then there's a big gap without anything. Um, and the book is fairly consistent throughout the year, but it doesn't get a whole lot. So it's, um, it's hard because I really do enjoy the work. So when I, when I hear that voice in my head saying like, what's the point of this? Really what I start to, uh, to think about is, well, I really do actually enjoy the process of writing. I really enjoy teaching other teachers sometimes more than kids, you know, because the teachers at least will be quiet when you're, when you're presenting to them. But, um, it's just different, you know, and, it, and I really enjoy teaching teachers because I feel like they're genuinely interested in what you're telling them. And that is kind of what gets me through it and makes me want to do it more. And the, the process of writing a book or writing an article, I find very therapeutic because it gets my thoughts out uh, on the screen. And that whole process is really rejuvenating for me. So even if I wasn't making money at the, the writing part, I still do find it very, uh, very joyful at this time. I mean, I have a, an article, a column in the uh, Canadian Music Educators Journal, and uh, that one currently isn't uh, a paid gig, but I do get to write about music education and it gets it to a different audience that I normally would not be writing to. So there is that. So I guess, I guess when I hear that voice in my head, I just say, well, there's some really good stuff about what you're doing and you just got to keep 
on keeping on. As an entrepreneur, who do you want to be and what is your mission for what you're creating? Well, I would really like for Steve's Music Room to be somewhat of a publishing company. Like right now it is a publishing company per se. I'm doing air quotes, but you can't see those. But uh, I, it's really just my books at this point. So I have one book out under my publishing company name, but then there's also the next one that's coming out this fall, which are just my books. So uh, what I'd like to do eventually is, is have maybe a couple other books from other authors under, under the name of C's Music Room Publishing or be a consultant for self-publishing authors to kind of coach them through the process of self-publishing to get their first book published in that genre. Wow. <coughs> ah. Woo, man, I hope y'all hearing this because as you can see, <clears throat> I'm starting to get my sicky. <laughs> I was at, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, y'all, I'm, I'm going to leave this in. I'm not going to edit this out, but I've been at schools and they're like, man, we got strip. <clears throat> we got strip running around here and all kind of stuff. And I'm like, <laughs> not laughing at it in terms of I'm not going to get it, but it's like, Okay, I'm just waiting. Yeah, just turn. waiting. When? When's it gonna happen? Yeah. yeah so <laughs> I'm just sitting here now. I woke up this morning and I was like, "Yeah, my throat, <clears throat> my throat." It's like every September this happens to me. It's just every September. <laughs> so my eyes over here watering. Oh, uh, yeah. So I want to ask you about some of the challenges you, you you're facing, and what has been something that you didn't expect when trying to build and grow your brand? Well, just the learning curve. That's, that's part of this because like, I don't have a business degree. I never really thought about running a business. So I'm just kind of going by the seat of my pants and learning as I go, which is really time consuming, you know, cause you have to sit down and do the research and all that stuff. So I find the hardest part is, actually figuring out how to run a business, but then marketing because I figured out the hard way after writing my book. I was like, Oh, the book's out. Great done. So I don't have to do anything now. I can just relax for a bit, but then there's the marketing stage and the promotional stage, which promotion is fine, but marketing never ends. You're always marketing. And how do you market in a polite way? How do you market? Like, do you, eventually get really comfortable with marketing to certain types of uh, audiences or, you know, how do you market on Facebook? How do you market on Twitter? Do you want to pay for ads? Do you want, you know, should you pay for ads? All these things that, that come up is mostly around marketing. And I, it, it's been a, quite a learning curve for me. Um, I think I've navigated it fairly okay, but I mean, I'm still learning obviously. But uh, that's certainly been the biggest challenge for me. You're, you're so right. Uh, I, I tell people 
with the documentary, the upfront work you do is just the beginning. Yeah. Uh, you know, once, once it's out, you know, and my documentary is on uh, Vimeo on demand and um, Amazon prime. It's there, but yeah. you have to do the work of selling it to people so that they themselves will spend their money for it. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's, geared towards an audience that for some people, you know, $15 is real money. Mm -hmm. You know, if, if you have, you know, you're making $40,000 a year and you got a child and other stuff, you know, I, I'm not <laughs> saying, you know, $15 on my documentary or, something your child may need, or you may say, I'm going to treat myself to a Starbucks. I, I mean, I don't know, but that's Great. still, yeah. you know, it's still $15 that you have sure. to feel good about spending your money on. Yeah. And somehow I have to convince you that my documentary is worth you spending that money on. So, you know, that's where I am now, you know, so the sales, I've had some sales. I just got my first check to come in. Nice. And uh, yes, it was, I was like, okay, I'm okay. I'm good with this. It's a good feeling. Your first check from that. <laughs> yes. I was very, I was felt blessed by it. Alhamdulillah. I, I, but it's one of those things to where, you know, in your mind, you're thinking in order for me to get more sales and continue to get more sales, I have to do X, Y, and Z in terms, of, I got to create some free content. I have yeah. to do more webinars on specifics to becoming an entrepreneur to educate this audience. Yeah. And so, and then I have my podcast, but people are listening to my podcast, like I guess, you know, uh, but I have to do these things to bring them in and then say, Oh, by the way, if you, liked this webinar you know get the documentary and learn more about how do you become an entrepreneur and how you know to then get navigate this new world well that's it it's like I, the blog is basically to support the book and the uh the, you know my uh, column is to support the book so it's like all this extra work and extra writing just to support this one thing <laughs> where the money is coming in right oh yeah yeah Oh yeah. So it's, uh, it's definitely been a, an education for me. And, mm -hmm. you know, I have found myself now starting to, you know, look at people like, uh, Jasmine Starr and Sonny Lenarduzzi and Vanessa Lau and other people on YouTube watching their videos, you know, trying to, you know, find a, a secret sauce formula for me to get out, get out there and create this free content to, you know, hopefully, you know, inshallah, turn that into sales. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I never considered, you know, I, I had the, 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 the gall to think that because the documentary was this dope, 
and I have the lineup that I have, it's going to be just flying. Yeah. <laughs> right. People, people go, oh, download, download, cha-ching, cha-ching. Yeah, 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 right? And I thought that too. It's like, oh, yeah. I'm going to sell a thousand copies. Yeah, yeah. But it never happens. No, it didn't. It didn't. It didn't. It didn't happen. It didn't happen at all. So uh, my goal is a thousand for the year and I still have until March to be the year. I doubt I'm going to get the, the thousands for sales, but that was just one of those things that it was, it was a reality of, okay, it's out. This is a marathon. Um, I, I have to continue to push it. The upside of it is because it's out, there's a possibility of still making money from this thing five years from now. Yeah. Because well, it can, it. you know, it can find a brand new audience. Passive uh, income too. Yeah. So that's uh, a cool thing about that. So before we go, I want to, I want you to speak to that educator who may come across this episode. I want you to tell them why they or our colleagues should actually create multiple streams of income, you know, monetize their talents. Well, was it the Joker that said, if you're good at something, never do it for free. <laughs> I think that was the Joker from the, the Dark Knight. Wow. Although he's probably not the best role model. However, um, I do think that point is, is, uh, is true though. If you're good at something, you should get paid for it. And I really think that if your market is there, why not try and sell to that market? Uh, and, and if there is a void to be filled, why not fill that void? Because I'm sure there are people looking for your information, but they just don't know where to find it. So why not just put it in their hands? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you, Steve, for coming on the show. You're very welcome. All right, people. You know how I do this. Uh, this podcast episode will be going up on Apple Podcast. Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and Simplecast. I need you to subscribe, leave your comments, leave a review, share it, because your boy's trying to get Oprah on the show, and I want her to know that I'm doing big things around here. Again, I'd like to thank my guest, Steve Giddings, for coming on and sharing his story uh, of triumph and challenges in becoming an entrepreneur. People, thank you for checking out the Dr. Will Show, the mobile university for entrepreneurs. As always, invest in you. EDU, peace.